Welcome to Roof to Curb. If you're a foodie for the home, this is a pod for you. On Roof to Curb, we talk about everything in the home industry, including homes, remodeling, landscaping, exteriors, and more. Roof to Curb is brought to you by Pulltab Sports, the best podcast producer in the, producer in the business. Today's guest, Mark Shear, president, Shear Brothers Lumber. Thanks for coming out, Mark. Great to be here, Todd. <laughs> so we've been doing business for, uh, I think if I look back on it, almost 18 years. Is that when you started? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, might be even wow. closer to twenty, but but eighteen years. You were a you were a young young boy out of uh, St. John's University and the west side of the Twin Cities. Well, I've been I've been in the business for thirty years, so I wasn't yeah. that young. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I suppose mid late thirties at the time. Yeah. So we've known each other for a little bit. We traveled a little bit together, so, which is great. Uh, it's been fun to watch your your leadership and the rest of your families and your brothers. Uh, and what you've done with Shear Brothers Lumber and watching that company grow and uh, make a really good impact in the industry. So uh, from the industry to Shear Brothers, we appreciate it. And uh, thank you to to Mark, Chris, and Pete. So uh, It's been an interesting journey. Uh, that's yeah. no doubt working with your brothers, working with uh, great people, multi-generational, not just family, but uh, other other families uh, that have been in our in our company. It's 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 been a really interesting and fun gig. For sure. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, journey, you're in multiple generations of of leadership in Sure Brothers Lumber. Maybe go back to uh, the day it started and what generation was that and what generation are you at now and um, maybe just some of the, the trials and tribulations. You guys have had some change. You've bought some lumber yards. You've sold some lumber yards. Maybe just talk about you know what's what's gone on with that growth and where you're at today. Well, I think sold is overstated. We had to shut a few down during the recession. Sure. Uh, no. So, uh, 1930, my grandfather and great uncle were uh, basically job hands uh, out on farms. So they were working for farmers out in western uh, Hennepin County, Medina, Hamill, that area. Uh, recession hit. There was or not recession. Excuse me. The Great Depression hit, and there wasn't a lot for them to do. So they moseyed into Minneapolis and they found a guy who was basically uh, pulling deadhead logs out of the Mississippi River. Uh, and the Mississippi River was the major highway for transporting logs from northern Minnesota, large, large white pines, down to the mills in the Twin Cities. So a lot would get wedged in the, the side, the banks, uh, sandbars, they'd sink, um, and they were just abandoned, you know, so essentially treasure trove for them. And they worked with this guy for about a year, helping him out. Neither one of them could swim. Uh, <laughs> oh Let's work around water, but uh, do they have little orange floaties on? Is that what they did? I, I don't think they had water <laughs> wings at that time. But, you know, industrious guys that were just trying to make something happen. And and they ultimately, actually, it's probably a little bit before 1930, but uh, in 1930, they bought the guy out. They bought a steam barge and got some land on the Mississippi River in Camden. And a couple of years later, they moved to northeast Minneapolis, right? Plymouth Avenue Bridge, mm -hmm. right? Kind of wedged in between the bridge and Graco now, uh, now a park. Uh, and they started a business and they just started milling up timbers and selling them to farmers and, and doing their thing. It was actually, for a long time, it was Sher Brothers Ice uh, Lumber and Ice Company. And uh, once refrigerators were invented, they stopped doing the ice. It kind of put, hard put them out business. of business. Yeah. That whole blue ocean concept of, uh, <laughs> of ice makers kind of kind of did their thing. So they started the business. They grew it. And they survived the war and all the rest. And then the second generation came in, my dad, his brother, uh, their two first cousins. And they ran the business up until, well, my dad retired in 95. And that's when Pete took over as president and CEO. And uh, my uncle, like 1988, and then Mike Shear in 2000, and Greg in 2001 all retired. They all retired when they were 55, which okay. I turned 55 this year, so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of that sting because I think I'm going to be working for a little while longer. Sure. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, my two brothers and myself uh, just brought a nephew into the business. Uh, we've got a five-year policy outside the company before we have a conversation about coming back. And, you know, hopefully we'll have some other third-generation participants in the business too so sure. so I can retire someday. So where did, uh, I think I know the answer to this, but Pete, Chris, and Mark, where did you guys spend your five years prior to coming back to Shear Brothers Lumber? Uh, Pete was in commercial banking. 
So he was doing a lot of land development financing uh, with the old, I think, American National Bank in St. Paul here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris was Arthur Anderson. He was a CPA by trade. So Pete was finance. Chris was a CPA. And I spent a better part of my time at West Publishing Company down Edina, now Thompson Reuters, or not Edina, excuse me, Egan, and now Thompson Reuters. Mm-hmm. And then I went to William Mitchell College of Law and uh, came back into the business while I was going to law school back in 93. So you're either going to uh, come into the lumber business or you're going to be a sports agent for all the athletes in Minneapolis, right? <laughs> oh, hey, one of my classmates was Neil Sheehy. He's doing pretty well yeah, in the uh, sports agency world. Yeah, he's doing just fine. Good guy, huge mitts. My, he had yeah. just massive hands. He's uh, he's done pretty well for himself, that's yeah, for sure. He's a good guy. So all the family comes back in after five years. You guys, uh, now it's it's the, the generation of yourself and your, your siblings. Um, what are some of the things that have happened during that time over the last 30 years that you've seen with Shear Brothers and maybe how it impacts, uh, how you've had to maneuver along with recessions and industries and how the industry's grown or changed? What are some of those things that have you've had to navigate well, I, I, the industry in and of itself was very different 30 years ago than it was today. It was uh, heavy specs and models. There weren't as many national production builders in the marketplace. For sure. Uh, there was a lot of carry. So there was an expectation that, hey, I'm building a house. Carry I'll, pay, I'll pay you when I'm done. Yep. Partner. Type of thing. Yep. And uh, that took a lot of people down when the recession hit. Uh, almost took us down. Frankly, sure. I sure. just just had a lot of receivables sitting out there that yep. very difficult to get paid on, uh, and, and I'd say that's the biggest shift that's occurred. But I, there there are certain things that are also just remarkably consistent within the industry, uh, because you're building something, and maybe more importantly, because you're you're building something so important to the community. Relationships, uh, relationships with your customers, with your employees, with your vendors, with the ultimate homeowner. Uh, are just so phenomenally important to running a successful business and and having some type of contribution within the industry. For sure. Uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of been the fun part. And I, I think some of the leadership challenges that have come over the years uh, when you start talking about changes of styles, you know, how you deal with baby boomers or maybe even a few greatest generations when I first came in to uh, baby boomers, to Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen Z, yeah, so hey, on it, and so on. Yeah, you're you're kind of always morphing style. You know, where the greatest generation of baby boomers kind of like to be told what to do. Hey, here's the job. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, now it's here's the problem. Figure it out. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just the more detail you provide in the solution, uh, the less likely people are to engage. So you just you kind of got to morph your style and understand your audience whenever you're in that leadership capacity. Yeah, big time. Um, and then the recession hits, right? Well, that recession was fun. Hits that was fun. You went through that. Um, and you S- guys, side note. Yeah. Last night, just recently put back on Netflix, the big short. Yeah. And I watched it. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I had a little bit of PTSD. My bad. I mean, I it, it's, it's one of those things that you, I'll never forget the recession, but I think I repressed a lot of the specifics of the recession and uh, the, the trauma and the heartache and I mean, tough I conversations this, and I let 500 people go. Right. I, I mean, and, and I was there for a lot of it and, and others in my family. And, you know, there were days where you'd wake up and say, is today the day? Sure. You just didn't know. Yeah. And uh, you're talking about going from 70 to zero uh, overnight, basically when the market crashed. So I think we had a 90% drop in, in housing starts very quickly in the twin cities. And uh, there was a lot of scrambling. And just trying to figure out how to how to make it work one day so, at a time. So great segue, Mark. Ninety um, percent drop in starts back in 08, yeah, 07, yeah. 09. 07, 08, yeah, in that neighborhood. Some of that time well, the zone, market right? crashed in with the spring of 08. Sure. Um, people think we're in a recession now. People think it's crashed now. The housing world has crashed. Not even close. Um, what, are, what are housing starts? What have you dropped from last year to this year? You know, I haven't seen the latest data on that. Um, I'm shipping as much wood this year as I did last year. Lumber prices are off about 30%. Yep. So from a revenue standpoint, we certainly see things a little bit slower, but from an activity standpoint, hell, I'm still trying to hire 30 people. Yeah. So you might've actually grown in volume of activity, but because how our lumber pricing is down, uh, maybe it looks like you are doing less revenue. 
Yeah, it feels that way a little bit. Close to it, right? Some of our leading indicators, you know, our, our milwork uh, order file has been very strong and consistent. Our trust order file has been growing, and that's mm-hmm. a very much a sign of things to come in the future. So, you know, you take what you got. This is not something where you can, in your mind or within your business, manufacture more home builds. Uh, no. And then that, that breeds irresponsibility when you try to do that. And that's right. really where we got to in, in the late 90s, early 2000s with that that bubble that ultimately did burst. For sure. Um, you guys have been around a long time. Like I said, back in the 1930s, uh, you've got a seasoned group of leadership. Uh, you've seen good, bad, ugly, and different of what housing stock and housing product looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of leading down a path that we, we spoke about yesterday of, you know, if, if Mark Shear walked into a home and you said, hey, you know what, if I was going to build a house and, and I'm trying to help a consumer out and trying to get them to differentiate maybe a good, better, best conversation, you know, kind of we can do that with the windows. It's hard to do it with lumber, right? It, it's hard to do it from a consumer standpoint of I want to get behind the curtain a little bit to see what, what maybe a, a true lumber guy would know, right? So if I walk into a house, what were some of the products that you'd want to see from a, a good, better, best conversation? It, lumber is just so ridiculously unsexy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to make it sexy right now, Mark. Yeah, how many people, <laughs> when they're buying a car, get underneath and look at the tailpipe no. or the, yeah. the, the frame? Yeah, they get, the, the difference is the, the consumer gets to see the sausage get made, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's a very, very different exercise. Uh, you know, there are certain products that have really come on strong lately. Uh, part of the lumber package may be a little bit more seen. Uh, LSL, uh, which is, it's it's a laminated board. I think of like OSB formed into a two by four, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying this. No, please do. Uh, I think uh, more simplifying is, is even better. Uh, and so it is, uh, it's something that it's it's more expensive mm-hmm. than a two by four of the same same length. So same dimension yep, as same a two dimension. by four. It, it's a framing product, mm-hmm. you know, two by four, two by six. Uh, you're seeing a lot more of it on tall walls. You know, if you have vaulted ceilings or people are doing a feature room or your, your front entryway, your sport court. Absolutely. Stairways maybe. Yep, absolutely. Uh, also uh, in kitchens, mm-hmm. other places where you're going to have cabinetry, bathrooms. Tile. Yeah. So you don't need to do the whole house in it. Mm-hmm. But anybody that's been to a house that has, say, a, a big, tall stairway, mm-hmm. as you're standing at the bottom of the stairway and looking up. The sun shining in. <laughs> sun shining in. Yep. You can see that sheetrock ripple. Mm-hmm. It, you know, just you can see the waves in it if you're not using the right product. Right. Uh, I think OSB has come a long way. It used to be a swear word in, in our industry because people used it for sheathing and, and subfloor way back when, and there were problems. And part of that was... Oh, well, they flashed it in vapor barriers and all the rest. Uh, today, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, Advantech mm-hmm. or Durastrand or, you know, certain products like that that you're, are... You're higher end subfloors. Higher end subfloors. Subfloor is what you lay down on top of your joists. That's what you walk on. So Floor trusses. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, this, that's the other thing that's really changed. Yeah. I mean, f- this market is ex- almost exclusively trusses. Some people yeah. will use Joyce in the basement, you know, because there's some fire code stuff. Yeah, like so that. so the, the comparable, uh, what we're talking about is you used to see a, an LPI or a TJI, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a nine and a half inch or the 11 silent seven floor. eighths. Remember right? that great and, branding that had the elephant right? on the floor? Yeah, Here, it was you, fabulous. If you want the floor, you, you'd put that product in your house. And now you see that go away and now you're seeing floor trusses that are uh, obviously for your floor, but separating your first level, second level, those kind of things. Um, and you see mostly 18 inch floor trusses and bigger, right? Mm-hmm. 20 inch, 22 inch, 24 inch. Um, why do you think that shift happened? Uh, well, there was a lot of volatility in pricing on iJoyce and then availability that came with it too. But you know, floor trusses are great because you can hide all your ductwork. Mm-hmm. All your mechanicals can get slid right into that. And, and so you don't have drop ceilings so in your soffits. basement. No yeah. soffits and basements anymore, yeah. right? And that, that's a lot less labor. I mean, the other thing yeah. as an industry that we need to figure out is how can we build a house more efficiently with less labor? And, and, and building a house is a decidedly uh, inefficient process. Mm-hmm. You know, For and, sure. and everybody's trying to get better with it, but yeah. there's so many variables between weather or product delays or changes. Or, Especially in this state, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, we're we're a state that sees crazy swings of weather when you go from you know the frigidness to the hotness, right? Absolutely. Um, in some other climates, you don't see that, but 
uh, heavy heavy labor. So we see some efficiencies. TJIs, LPIs was a manufactured product as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'd see that mostly in houses that may be built in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, uh, well into the 90s. And then it started right? fading away in the 90s. Yeah. Um, a lot and, of soffits and basements with duct work. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so you'd have to do the ladder rake around it. Right. And, Build and ladders everywhere for it. soffits. And if you're 6'3 and, and you had an eight-foot high ceiling and you're dropping a soffit, you just started to feel a little bit cramped. Yeah. So yeah. now... Uh, we see floor trusses, and now we also see different heights and lower levels. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of nine foot or eight foot eight mm -hmm. ceilings and basements just to give that feel. And then you couple that with some form of, of in floor heating, For radiant, sure. radiant in floor heating, Wurzbo systems, yeah. and people are channeling that into their garages now to where you're seeing in floor heat in the garage rather than a big blower. Got right. to keep things warm, melt everything off the car. It's a it's an economical way to make your basement really part of the house. It's no longer cold and damp. You know, yes, yeah, you don't see this uh, 10, 12 degree swing when you walk downstairs. And you're like, oh, I need blankets. Turn the fireplace on. That people only use six times a year. You know, we're, we're people uh, use their fireplaces that much. Well, that's that's the funny part. We're actually seeing a lot of homes that you know people aren't they're not forced to put. Uh, fireplaces and lower levels, especially with zoning of HVAC systems, right? Mechanicals. Roof to Curb is sponsored by Will Anderson Insurance. I want you to try a quick exercise for me. Think of your insurance person. Okay. Can you picture them? It's probably some person from high school or the old neighborhood that you no longer keep in touch with. Insurance is too important for the status quo. Isn't it time you switch to one of the best? Will Anderson can help you with all of your home, auto, and commercial insurance needs. He'll give you a fair solution. He'll be there to pick up the phone when you need him most, and he'll explain a complicated business like he's reading a children's book. Reach out to Will Anderson, and we bet you he'll save money too. Call or text Will for a quote at 612-361-7283 or visit willandersonagency.com. Roof to Curb Podcast, sponsored by Duke Cannon. Don't trust your mutton chops and mustaches to just any brand. Duke Cannon Supply Company makes hardworking grooming products for hardworking guys, and their products will help you keep your facial hair in championship form. From their beard wash and balms to beard oil, they have your back and your face covered. Duke Cannon, work harder, smell better. Stock up on DukeCannon.com and use Beard10 for 10% off your next order. Duke Cannon is an official partner of the Minnesota Wild. Going back to some of the products, so we got LSLs, we got uh, subfloors have changed. Definitely, mm -hmm. they've gotten way better from a technology standpoint, which reduces warranty calls. Wood floor systems, you know, on, on flooring themselves go in much better, mm -hmm. uh, perform much better, expansion, contraction, those kind of things. Um, in the LSL product, talking two by fours, two by sixes. That doesn't move as much. Expand and contract as a dimensional piece of lumber. Doesn't move at all. Yeah, I, I mean it is perfectly straight. Whereas you know a two by four comes out of a tree. Yeah, and so there's going to be some crowning and cupping, and you got to make sure guys install them the right way. And and not everything is perfect. And we're dealing with younger growth trees today than we were thirty That's a years great ago. Point. And so, you know, they're just a little bit more volatile. They're all kiln dried. And, and we really try to focus on working with the better mills. We can buy wood cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. But getting more of the premium grade uh, dimensional material is a big deal for our customer base because they don't want to be culling out bad boards across. They're just a lot of waste. Back to efficiencies. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tons of efficiencies with yeah. LSL. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, I, I walked through Menards or I walked through a big box retailer and, um, you know, we've got the Home Depots and Lowe's and Menards and those kind of companies, but big box retailers that are these home centers, right? Mm -hmm. And is that the same product that I can get at a professional lumber yard such as Shear Brothers Lumber or is that, is that a different product? Does it come from, you know, India versus Taiwan or Canada versus, you know, well, we're uh, not talking Norway. stair parts. We're talking lumber now. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you know, for the most part, it comes from the same places. Uh, a lot of times, again, we will basically uh, we'll look at buying from higher quality mills where we have better experience on on loss and shrink. You know, based on on the quality of the wood. Uh, you know, the Hope Home Depot buys a lot of appearance grade stuff, so it looks really nice. Sure, uh, but again, there's different grades of wood. You know, you got 
standard and better, two and better. Uh, How many different grades are three. there? So you're, so you're, so you're Primarily for construction with wood. You're, you're looking at the big three. Okay, so there's there's three categories of wood products. So if I if I say, hey, here's a two by four, a two by four, a two by four, and they fit into each of these categories, what's the difference? Well, you're not going to want to use a number three. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, people, some people will use it for plate stock, you know, that you, you stand your two by fours on top of that. Yep. Um, it Again, I think the, the relative gain on that is relatively minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not necessarily worth it. Most people, you know, just use regular two by fours or appearance grade, your premium grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still the same grade. It just looks better. You know, just. Would, would a, a dealer like yourselves, would you carry all three grades? Mm, we carry virtually no number three. In fact, a lot of times okay. people want number three, we just ship out number two. Okay. So uh, you, you, call, you carry the, the in our good, better, best conversation, the better and the best. Yeah, for the okay. most part. Okay. And Excellent. again, and, and the nature of our business is we are, we are custom home builders and remodelers. I mean, that's, that's really 95% of our focus. For sure. Uh, we do some, well, we do commercial work too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we, we try to try to stay kind of more in that, uh, that, that custom home building process. That's where we excel. Sure. Um, and, and back to those, those grades, is there a difference, like maybe a moisture content, one one of those boards has more moisture, moisture, less moisture. You got the wrong brother for yeah. this. What, what's so the, I, do I got to get on the phone with Chris? What do I? What I do I get here? I can't even pound a <laughs> screw straight. You no, know, and you're asking me about moisture content. Get technical what. here with you. Yeah, Chris is flying back into town today. You <laughs> well, can have him on next. He well, can really go detailed on you. Yeah, he, he'll actually tell you exactly what rail lines, the delivery type of <laughs> sure. product, and out, out of which uh, province in Canada is the best. Right? Is Alberta versus Nova Scotia? He, he does a lot of eastern uh, eastern spruce out of uh, Canada, out of Quebec. Sure. And then, you know, beautiful we, city, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's plenty of wood up there. Uh, yeah. They've they've had fires this year like they've never had before. Uh, but then certainly Brit- British British Columbia, Alberta, sliding into the western U.S. is where we still get a lot of our stuff from. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We're I think where we're going with it is more in general, Mark. Is that uh, it's a little more technical. Than, than what maybe uh, the general person would think about, right? Like it all looks the same. It all has the same dimension, but yet the performance of each of those products is very different anywhere from the three grades of lumber to manufactured products that we just spoke about. So again, Mark Shear's walking into house and uh, I think Mark Shear had a, a nice building experience with uh, one of our friends mm-hmm. uh, that we both know. It's a great guy. Um, and that was five years ago. It five seems years like it was ago. yesterday. Yeah, how fast was that yeah. go by? Hey, my house still brings me joy, man. I love it. That's good. I love it. We That's, spent a lot of time designing that. Yeah, and, and, it, and it should. It's a beautiful house, and uh, like I said, you worked with a really good guy on it. So, um, but again, like you had the chance to put certain products in your home that, uh, based on knowledge base, that, that you did. Was there anything creative that you did from maybe something that you'd pull out of Shear Brothers from an inventory product, something you carry that you're like, hey. These are must-have products that if I'm building a house again, Mark Shear would say I'm using one or two of these products. That's an interesting question. Uh, you know, while there are variations, so many things are mm-hmm. the same. And you can the destination is always the destination. It's it's the journey and how you get there and, and what you put into it. And plenty of different things work. It ends up being ultimately, I think, a matter of preference. And, and again, it goes back to the efficiency of building the home. You know, certain sure. products you're just going to have less time put into it. Uh, I do love to hand frame pocket door frames using LSL. Absolutely, uh, sounds it, like something Custom One Homes does. Well, hey, look at there's <laughs> uh, again back to four letter words. Pocket door frame was something I I would have never yeah. considered putting a pocket door in my house in 2000. Today, I wish they all were. For sure. I mean, just the the hardware they got soft close hardware is just just like your your cabinet drawers. Yeah. Uh, coming in, going on those pocket doors, and they work like a champ when you do that. Yeah. So a pocket door would be a, a door frame that fits into a wall. It's and a then, pocket. And Todd. the door fits in as a into pocket, the right? pocket. Yeah. Um, the the difference that you speak about is versus a pine framed uh, pocket door sleeve. Yeah. Going into an LSL or Timberstrand product, you need a wider wall for it. Two by six wall versus two by four, yeah. and it's just uh, it, it, it's so stable. You don't get any bowing of that frame that you used to have when they were pre-manufactured, and it just and and again back to the hardware, mm-hmm. which has come a long way on that, and it, it makes a huge difference. But you know, end of the day for me, I'm still an aesthetic guy. 
Sure, sure. You, you know, so lots of pretty stuff, the shiny you, you stuff. Put lipstick on it and, and call it a day. <laughs> but I'm, I, I love millwork. I love windows. Yeah. I love, I mean, when you look at the trending and the style in houses right now, uh, just what what designers, architects are doing with homes. You know, so they still have a very traditional feel to them, but sure. they're open and they're clean and they're airy and there's, there's a crisp whiteness to it, but also bigger millwork bigger base, bigger casing, thicker, mm-hmm. you know, just little things. I said, God, I saw a house here a few years ago that had two-inch thick casing around all the frames. Oh, wow. I was just fabulous, yeah. the, the detail that was on that, another yeah. friend of ours. So you guys you guys do millwork at Shear Brothers, right? Well, I love millwork. You yeah. have a large division there uh, that that does some cabinetries, closets, millworks, uh Todd's still running that up there, right? Oh, Todd, Todd runs all of our closets. Yeah. Clo- and closets are huge, too, that whole whole organizational system that's out there and, and the trending that's moving towards that. I mean, people, people want to declutter. And, and I think that's really been a common theme is decluttering your home. For sure. And, and I think those storage and closet areas are just they're, they're much different than an open space that you throw boxes in. Yep. Or you put a rack and hangers on, right? Now it's the multifunction of those spaces. The decluttering is is amazing. And you guys have a wonderful closet division uh, that's open to the public. Yep. Right? So we do uh, we do builder and that that's one of our businesses where we do do a fair amount of uh, consumer business. Mm-hmm. Consumer direct. Consumer direct. Mm-hmm. We are set up for that. And that's uh it, it's been great because it's it's transformational. I mean, it's it's immediate. You can and by the way, we replace windows too. And and in mm-hmm. older homes, sometimes replacing windows is the best thing you can do. It doesn't change the aesthetic of the home very well. It, Energy and it, efficiency, it, though. Oh yeah, no, it's it's completely the right thing to do in in certain applications, especially if you're sticking around in the home. But that closet overnight transforms your house, and all of a sudden, instead of having a place of clutter, you have a place of joy. Because it solves hardships. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. Uh, quick little story for you. We were uh, maybe 60 days ago, brought the the custom one teams up to to Brooklyn Brooklyn Park there yep. and uh, did a tour with Todd Stegeman, an uh, old friend of mine, I'd say. Um, so I was telling Todd this story. I said, do you remember back in, I think it was about 04, 05, you helped me create my first yard sign? <laughs> And he goes, I do remember that. So we, we were joking about that whole story, but he he truly did. And uh, we thought that was pretty cool that he got involved to help make an impact in our business at that time the way he did. And it wasn't um, it wasn't just him grabbing something off the shelf and selling it to us, but uh, his activity and his involvement was, was pretty special at that time. So Yeah, well, first of all, Todd's a special guy. Yes. Uh, but what's really unique about our business is Todd has been with us for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he's probably somewhere, you know, halfway on the seniority list. Not that we really have a seniority list for what well, we do for our union employees, but uh, people stick around with us. And so so we do have longevity. This, yeah, we just keep building on really the commitment, the character, the quality of the people that work for us. And Todd being a great example of that. Uh, and, you know, he's had multiple roles within the organization and just wherever he goes, he knocks it out of the park. And, and that's not unique to him. I don't, I don't ever want to single any one person out, but I have so many people like that. It's awesome because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're more of a share than I'll ever hope to be. Under the name and they care and, and yeah. look at, you can hire talent. You, know, you go back to the leadership stuff from earlier. You can hire talent. There's plenty of talent out there. But to find somebody who's genuinely passionate, who's a true believer rather than a paid mercenary, sure. uh, finding folks like that, we we have just been blessed uh, to have, have people like that in our organization. Lot, and lot and of, that's what drives it. A lot of good ambassadors, right? Our, oh, absolutely. Our, our rep, uh, Chuck Traum, is one of those guys, I think, in your book. I think you'd put him in that line. Uh, yeah. You know, some of the guys that he reports to and has worked for, Pat Hegseth is a, a pretty good uh, representation of the company. Sure. A little bit newer to the company, but uh, he's, he's definitely been with us like seven or eight years. Yeah, he's, uh, a, he's a seasoned vet, though, a good free agent pickup at the trading deadline for yeah. you. So uh, we like those guys. So let's talk about, um, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about lumber and pricing, and I want to talk about consolidation in the market. Okay. So, uh Let's Those talk. are two very different things. They are two very different okay. things, and I, I think I'm, I got a way to tie it back in, but we'll see how this works. <laughs> so, um, Mark, I, I watched the media, 
and I see lumber in the last 12 months has come down, yep. right? So we see, uh, and it's priced into thousands of pieces, right? You well, know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's all priced by board foot. And, so and the, easiest, board foot. the easiest way for me to explain this is one foot of two by six is one board foot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got two times six is 12, divided by 12 is one. Yep. Uh, it gets a little bit more complicated when you're doing a two by eight. We're going to have to four. get Chris on the phone again. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back to it. <laughs> uh, and, and, we're, and then panel goods are done by square foot. Sure. So uh, a two by 12, one foot of two by 12 would be two board feet. Sure. Yep. And three feet of two by four would be two board feet. So yeah. two by four by three divided by twelve. That just and so and you do it by we're thousands gonna, of board feet. We so have to get a whiteboard brace in. We're, get, we're getting really complicated, but you yep. know it's, it is a commodity. Yep. It is a commodity, and we buy it as such. We have contracts, but then we also play with future and cash wood and we, you know, try to supplement where we're going and, and keep a requisite amount of material on the ground because the one thing my brother knows that would make a lot of people very unhappy is if we're ever out of two by fours. Absolutely. So yeah. the and correct me if I'm wrong. So you guys have inventory on the on the floor, on the ground at at your lumber yards. Right? A lot of inventory. So you have inventory. That was bought a while back. Oh yeah. Right? So that's bought at price X to, to sell at X when it hits the ground, right? Or X uh, maybe plus minus. Well, what, what we do is is we price off of kind of our average cost. Okay. And it's our average cost of what we have on the ground plus we what we have coming in. So what that provides for us, and there's different ways to, to do a price model. Uh, when the market is going up, everybody loves that pricing structure. Because, For sure, because it's a <laughs> lagging detail, right? Yeah, it, it lags behind. When the market's going down, people are like, well, the market's going down. You know, I, I read the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and look at commodity prices are yeah. down. How come my lumber prices are so high? And that's my point, is that when it goes down in a market like we're seeing these over these last 12 months, I'll call it, or maybe since January of 22 when interest rates were 3% on mortgages, now that price has gone down and people are like, well, the media says it's it's slashed and my, my price of my house should be doing the same. I'm going to turn on my phone real quick. And, <laughs> and this is rude. Well, you know what? I can speak in generality. So sure. what we do is we created a house years ago, mm -hmm. um, a mythical house. And we have all the materials in that house that you need to build it uh, that are volatile. So we don't have windows, but we do have <coughs> your trusses, your roofing, your sheetrock, your sheathing, uh, mm -hmm. all your lumber. That would go into building that specific house. I think it's a thirty-five hundred square foot, two-story, something like that, with yep. nine-foot ceilings in the basement and ten-foot on the main floor and eight-foot upstairs. Because, because again, there's pricing differential between a eight-foot two-by-four and a twelve-foot two-by-four sure. on a price per thousand. Because depending <coughs> on availability and demand, I mean, you you can see variations within that. But the house index year over year has come down dramatically, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I think it's almost 30%. 30% on the on those items on those that products. you would be buying for me. And that is reflected if you're building a house right now. But sure. you got to understand, other things have gone way up. Correct. Windows have gone up. Uh, appliances have gone up. Wood flooring has gone up. And, and, and a lot of that sometimes is tied to labor. Labor has gone up. Land well, that, prices have gone that's up. That's what we talked about the other day, right, is pretty much anything that is being touched by labor from a manufacturing standpoint has seen significant increases in the last 24 months. Oh, yeah. uh, and those increases have not stopped in the last 12 months. So as we're watching commodities and we're watching lumber drop to this 30% number, all the other products in your home are offsetting that that decrease, and that's why we're not seeing housing pricing in general going down. Yeah, well, look and, at when you're sitting down with your homeowner and you're going through your price sheet. You know, you've got you've got all your construction costs that go in. A lot of stuff is more expensive, but it's a relatively minor part of the building process. Correct, and it doesn't jump out at people. Whereas, you know, the package you would get from Shear Brothers, if you just had a line item, hey, Shear Brothers, and it's sure $150,000, they're like, well, these guys, look at how, how expensive is that? Well, yeah. What they don't understand is a big chunk of that just went down. 
But because it is such a heavy line item number within the process, it, it draws attention, no mm -hmm. doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do like to point out that my industry is the one industry that does go down. Very, yeah. very, very few. That's a good point. I mean, I suppose you might see it with copper or some other things like that within the plumbing world. Yeah. But and we go what's, down. We're, what's we're happened always floating with, uh, and playing. What's happened with plumbing lately? I couldn't what's, tell you. What's the shift that used to be all copper lines, right? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. are they now? It's all packs, right? It's all packs, right? Yeah. You know, or Openor, you know. Whatever it might be, I got a friend at Upanor, so I had to say Upanor. You times. just you just wanted to say <laughs> I did Upanor. It's a fun name. It's a fun name. Yeah, um, but a great great company that's uh, been been good in the plumbing world. So it's interesting to watch the technologies change to drive costs, and then um, watching the the whole thing happen where lumber comes down, and now we've got some confusion in the marketplace. Let alone this Twin Cities market is one of the the top three for most underbuilt oh, yeah. in the country, right? So we've got this mix of products going up. We've got a lack of inventory. I think the number's up to uh, nearly 70,000 units that are underbuilt as of today. That's awful tough when market capacity is running about twelve to 13,000 units. I mean, just, per just year. based on labor that's available. Yeah, so so if there's no more desire, it'll take us five years to to balance out the market, right? Well, and that, that same thing works nationally. I mean, mm -hmm. just the, the number of housing units. Uh, really, the, the the country's economy is set up to produce about 1.5 million units a year, give or take. Sure. And, and you start bumping Across up, the country. So across the country. California to New York. Yeah, annualized. So you bump up to 1.7 annualized. There's a lot of stress in the system. And that's when you see commodities starting to run because the mills can't keep up with it. Right. And then you throw in some other environmental factors, whether it's fires or beetles or other things like that. It, yeah. it, it does Hurricanes. have an impact on that. Yeah. I mean, COVID was a great example of that. Think about it. Everybody went to the mattresses. Sorry, I have to throw a Godfather yeah. reference into everything. Yeah. Uh, right when COVID hit. Shut down the plants. Except for builders. Yep. Your phones were ringing off the hook. People mm -hmm. wanted to remodel. They didn't know how long this was going to last. They wanted a nicer space. They were building Didn't homes. like their space because they didn't use it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. They needed two offices instead mm -hmm. of one or one instead of two. Kids are doing education in the home more. Yeah. And and they wanted that those amenities, too, to kind of stay active. So the, the home gyms. The workout areas, sport courts, yeah, places where they yeah. they could go and live life without ever leaving their house. It's hard hard to golf in Minnesota in February. Oh, golf simulators are yeah, crazy. It's, it's amazing <laughs> how many golf simulators I see out there. I, I don't yeah. have one because I don't play anymore, and I'm pools, much happier. Pools went on a run. Boats yeah. went on a run. It's yeah, pretty you couldn't get pool pumps for a long time. I mean, just shortages. Right. Well, it's like chips and cars, right? So, yeah. um, so tying it back, we we talked about pricing and how that works and trying to get an inside behind the curtain at, you know, a lumber provider and a, a dealer, right? Um, I think, Mark, the conspiracy theorist says, I think there's two guys that sit up in an ice fishing house in Canada, and they sit and they've bought all the mills, right? And it's, it's if you can imagine the story from grumpy old men, right? The mm -hmm. two guys that are sitting in the ice shack having a good old time laughing, maybe they're having a bourbon, smoking a cigar, and they don't even know if they're catching fish as much as they're they're sitting there joking and telling stories. It feels like at some point these two guys were controlling the lumber market during COVID and, and what took place. So um, I, I know I don't think that's the story, but I think it is a good story, and it might be. <laughs> you know, who, who, who shot JFK? Exactly. I, no. But there is some consolidation that has taken place over the last – you know, five, 10 years, right? Well, you know, there's always been big timber producers. Mm -hmm. You know, you go back to Weyerhaeuser, who started in Maine and moved to Minnesota and then went out went out west. You know, they were big. West Fraser is big. Yeah. Uh, Tolko is big. There's a lot of people who, you know, have trees cut down, they process them, they kiln dry them, they put them on a train, they ship them out. Demand is demand and supply is supply. And and you can artificially, I guess, mess with that a little bit for whatever reason. If lumber prices are too cheap and you don't want to produce at that right. level, if it doesn't make sense, then then maybe they curtail. Tying it back to your Netflix movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but at the end of the day, I, I that is pure, pure poppycock. <laughs> Can't tell you the last time I've heard you said poppycock. You, know, it's a, you just said it. It's a great word, but yeah, it, yeah no, it's, it's 
who's buying, who's not, how much is available. And that is really going to set the tone and tenor for what pricing is. So moving forward, uh, a couple other products I want to talk about and get your opinion on them uh, as far as, you know, categories of of product. But um, what does the next 12 months look like from, you know, forecasting? And you got obviously a guy that's been doing this forever with Chris and is about as good as a buyer as it gets in the marketplace and maybe even the country, right? So what, what do you guys look at for the next 12 months and how does it tie in from what you guys are seeing with Shear Brothers? And you guys got to look at futures a lot. Yeah. So how do you look at that? And then what do you see if you're going to forecast the housing industry in the Twin Cities market in the next 12 months? Is it flat? Is it up? Is it down? Are we busier? Are we slower? What for, do you, what do you first think of all, more? am I required to acknowledge the accolades you just put on my brother? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's pretty yeah, good at should. what he does. You should. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not trying to pump his <laughs> tires, but I, I do respect Chris, and I think he's uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He's, he's pretty damn good at it. I, I can't tell you in, in running a business how critically important it is to have somebody you really trust who's really good at what they do managing mm-hmm. your commodities buying. And uh, you're right. I don't know if there's anybody better out there than Chris. Yeah. I, I just don't. Now, the question is that when Chris comes on the pod – do I say the same thing about Mark <laughs> and his role? And we, we go back to the Chris is all substance and no fluff, and I'm all fluff and no substance, right? Uh, it, it, we work ridiculously well together. Yeah. And and so Chris buys and and I price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, basically Chris prices, and I say, yeah, that looks good. Because sure. that's just one less thing for me to do. Uh, looking to the future, I you know, I'm very seldom at a loss for words, but I can tell you my uh, my time machine is broken. Yeah, and a long time ago, you used that, to be able to, you used to be able to use that time machine much easier than today, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just there's so many variables. There's so many things at play here, whether it's a local uh, uh, U.S. or or world politics, mm-hmm. uh, supply demand. What what's Canada going to do? Sure. You know, are they going to shut down? production? Are they going to do this? Are they going to subsidize it? What's what's going to happen with us? What's going to happen with oil? Mm-hmm. And what impact does oil have, not only in the manufa- manufacturing of products, but the transportation costs? Yeah. Absolutely. Labor, you know, the shortage of truck drivers. And it's tougher to become a truck driver now today than it ever has been, the, the, the rules requirements to do that. So that's the supply side. The demand side, you know, I read something the other day that said people would rather give up a kidney than their 3% mortgage. It's going to be a lot of kidneys on the market. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I I think if you look at your house as an asset but not an investment, Mm -hmm. uh, people, especially if rates come down to 5 6% or maybe people start looking at not not the teaser rates, not the subprime stuff that that happened back sure. in the early 2000s, but you know just going to more of a conventional arm where maybe you can get a half point, three quarter point better at 7 years, 5 7 10 years uh, and arms. kind of work your way into into the arms. That 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 will still create uh, a level of demand. I I do believe there is a need for housing. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most obvious statements I've made in a long time. Uh, and I think we're going to be busy. It's just how busy. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not going to be like COVID busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because which, again, which we don't, can be okay. I'm okay with that. We don't have the labor. Sure. We just don't have the capacity. And so I think one of the things that for a builder like in your shoes is going to be is if you have that production throughput you're going to do just fine. Mm-hmm. You're going to do just fine. And, and again, qualitatively, you you can't just hire anybody for the types of homes you're building. Right. You need to really vet out your subcontractors, your suppliers, and, and you're choosing the right people to work with because that ultimately leads to the success of a finished home. These are not houses. These are homes. And we're providing one of the fundamental needs in, in the community. Now, granted, we're doing it on a very nice level, mm-hmm. uh, but... People want the nice appliances. They want the view. They want the space. Yeah, the, they the want the flow. Cities, the Twin Cities market is somewhat spoiled. Um, and I say this in a good way with a lot of really good people in the home industry compared to other markets in the in the country. Uh, the products that are being built in this market are, are substantially higher quality and, and put together much better than uh, some other areas. Our builders are professionals, yes. and and I think a lot of that goes back to education. 
uh, our, our builders association for years, uh, has been, I think kind of cutting edge relative to other parts of the country. And it's not just our builders association, it's NARI sure. for remodelers. Sure. Uh, to where, you know, people aren't just running out of the back of their pickup trucks, fly by night type of stuff. I mean, these are professional based organizations. Yeah. They are businesses that build homes. And so they get communication, they get follow through, they're tracking their costs, they're identifying changes, they're doing all the things yeah, the, that... The le level of professionalism is real strong, oh, no yeah. doubt about it. No, and, and great suppliers as well. Yeah, well, in, in watching suppliers being active in those two two industries and uh, organizations that you speak of, you know, NARI being the National Association of the Remodeling in Industry and then uh, Housing First being our, you know, Housing Housing Bureau Association, if you will, um, in this Twin Cities market. I mean, think, think about this, and, and James didn't pay me to come on and do a gratuitous plug for him, but it, we started the Parade of Homes. I mean, it, no mm -hmm. other market had that type of showcase. I think 75 years is, is the gig now. Yeah, 75th this year. But think of the level of promotion for not only builders, but the industry as a whole, the credibility, the attachment that the community has to that. I mean, it's it's an event. People mm -hmm. look forward to it. People who have nothing to do with housing or who aren't even thinking about building a home still go out and look at parade homes because they want to see what could be. And it, you talk to other other dealers, other builders, and other markets. They don't have this. They, they wish they did. Yeah, right? they're begging for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been great. Um, time just a couple more products, Mark. Uh, windows. You know, there's a couple different categories of windows, right? You've got uh, maybe a, a, a wood structured window. You got a vinyl structured window, and some products in between there. But um, you know, any any comments on windows and I know we don't want to necessarily talk about brands, but we want to talk about maybe some well, some you, good good companies that are around. And you know, I used to manufacture windows, right? I do. I, I do. And, and frankly, I was born and raised when I started at the lumber company. I started in the window company, yeah, uh, the window division. And so I was in purchasing and manufacturing. And you know, I'm a sales guy that you know, all of a sudden I'm seeing a whole different world, and it was fascinating for me. It's sure. like a kid in a candy store because you look at what could be with it. I think. Windows are one of the first things to get marginalized when you're building a home, but they're mm -hmm. one of the most important things you can have. So people are going to be more quick to go to a lesser grade of window so they can have nicer appliances. Countertops. Yeah. Well, yeah. look at that. Windows going to last you 30 years. The appliances are going to last you 7 to 10, why do regardless think, of what you buy. Mark, why, why do you think they're so important? What makes them so important? Well, there's an aesthetic, but then there's also just an energy component to it. Mm -hmm. And and I don't want to say they're structural, but I I think aside from the millwork, when you look at a house, when you're when you're visiting somebody's home, okay, which is always a great way to look at it. And what when people come to my house, what do they notice? They notice the windows, they notice the millwork. They notice the front entry door. The front entry door is huge. I, I mean, sure. that that focus within the building community has been, I think, one of the greatest shifts. I mean, aside from that's you know, a great point. You know, the front the, door the, the systems doors, and offerings, doors of doubling. You know, the calendar that's been out forever. You know, which is cool. All the Georgian styles, and sure. the knockers and knobs, and all the rest of that. But uh, uh, th that front door just pops. It is it is a statement piece when you're when you're going to anyone's home. It's it's your invitation, right? It's Absolutely. your invitation to your home. Is like, is it appealing? Is it attractive? Do I want to walk through that door? Do I not want to walk through the door? Exactly. You know, what's what's on that door system? So, but it, it, yes, there are higher quality of windows. Uh, some I sell, some I don't. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we'll just we'll leave it at that. Uh, it, there's also, you know, more price point type of stuff. And and look, I'm not going to begrudge anybody. If you're trying to build a home and you're trying to do it at the right price for you that you can afford, I I think there is, it's like, remember God, the Sound of Music, not the movie, but the uh, the store, which ultimately turned into Best Buy. Yeah. Yep. You know, you could go in and buy a stereo package. We're going, we're going back now. We're right? going way we're going back, back here. right? So, so Best Buy, you're going, hey, I want a stereo. I want a hi-fi. Okay. Sure. Well, you could buy the individual components, and you could do this sucker up really well, so it costs you 3000 bucks. Or here's the package deal for 1000 bucks. Right. you got to figure out what your price point is, and then you you should build your house consistent, consistently and commensurately 
with kind of that price point. Or those products that fit into those price points. Correct. So where where it doesn't make sense to me is, okay, I'm going to build a million and a half dollar house. Um, So that's that's a tier, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to put vinyl windows in because... I want to crank up this instead Steam of pay, shower. I want to buy imported Italian white subway tile instead of buying normal white subway tile that's, you know, 40 bucks a foot instead of 9 bucks a foot. Sure. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does, doesn't align. Yeah. Correct. So so, you know, when you're building that style of house, you should have um and and I'll, I'll say it, you know, you, you should have a Marvin uh made to order kind of the ultimate line um signature line now they change is the mm-hmm. name or an anderson 400 or even a i gotta say pella whoa i gotta say pella too i mean look at it, those are those are the big three i mean yeah, that is it's bmw audi and mercedes yep it is but that's what should go in that size of house for sure now if you're building a, a seven hundred thousand foot house or not seven hundred thousand. That that'd be a big house. That's a big house. Seven hundred thousand dollar <laughs> house. You know what? It might make sense to go with a vinyl clad window. Mm-hmm. And by the way, all three of those companies have lines that fit that price point as well. But then there's also all sorts of off uh, 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 other off brands that do exist. Um, and and I think that's the one thing that I see. I don't want to call it a hypocrisy. It's just it's a, it's an inconsistency. Because you look at a house at this price, it should have certain products in it. Yeah. And even in the vinyl lines, there's good, better, and best as well. Correct. Right? There's some, like, holy cow, that I don't know how long that's going to last to that's better to, no, that's actually, for a vinyl product, that is a really good product. Yeah, it used to be right? that this market had starter homes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, it's well, really it's really tough for me to look at a half-million-dollar house and say that's a starter home. Well, and that's what what it is in the Twin Cities market. We disclosed that on uh, one of our previous episodes with, with James Wagley, you know, yeah. executive director, CEO you had of James Housing on First. before me? Yeah, he did. He uh, he was wow. the number one guy. He was, mm-hmm. he was the pod. But he, he was the man. He, he, he was, and uh, we were actually down that education platform of the, the average uh, new construction home in the Twin Cities market. Five hundred forty thousand. That crazy. So to your point, Mark, like five forty, uh, we got an affordability issue in the in the Twin Cities market at seven percent, sure. which or, historically, or right now. Yeah. you know, I'm 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 the broken record. I'm like everybody else. You know, seven percent mm-hmm. historically still not a bad rate, but, but. <laughs> when you're used to three three, three and a half, yep. uh, and that's that's kind of what everything was predicated on when you were looking three years ago. Say, okay, three years we're gonna have enough money to build our house. Well, now yeah. you can't. Yeah. Well, I'll do the quick math, right? 3% yeah. on a 540, 1500 a month, 7% on a 540, 3500 Yeah. You know, and the number's off a little bit, but you get the jest. Now we're paying three times as much. We have an affordability issue that needs to get solved. We've got an inventory issue that needs to get solved. And I'm not sure how we do that when house prices continue to go up. And even in a, a market where we're seeing some products that are going into the home are declining, uh, it's a short period of window and, you know, nothing else is, is decreasing. So, you know, my time machine says housing is going to get more expensive. Mortgage rates are going to come down. Um, I would not hesitate buying a home today. I know that. Yeah. Well, in other countries, they have 40, 50 year mortgages. We do ours on a 30 year AM. Right. Um, you know, do we start looking at different products out there to, to help people? There's generational homes too. Yeah. Which we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing yeah. it. Uh, the generational side coming on the renovation uh, business as well. You know, we're doing a lot of mother-in-law suites or, you know, father-in-law suites or, you know, all the, all the families are coming together. So it's yeah, it's been interesting. The one thing when we designed our house, and I was adamant about this, is uh, my, my success in life is really predicated upon my kids getting out of my basement. Sure. That that is just not. So you didn't finish it, huh? <laughs> I I did, and I have a couple bedrooms, but nobody's living there except for one college student, and that's only for the summer months. There uh, you go. And, and teach their own. I mean, but you you might see more of that. I think we are. I mean, you know, the decks and porches and lower levels that are automatically finished in the past. I think those will start going away, and we'll get back to, you know, an equity position for the consumer to say, "Hey, I'm going to do that later." and I, it's how I can get into the space that I need to get into. No, and, and people have to do what they can afford. And mm-hmm. the, the the tough part for me in all of that, though, is is ultimately that is such cheap space. You know, the the attic space yeah. above the garage. Yes. 
the basement finish, if you look at what that does on a cost per foot basis to a home, whether it's a two-story or a Rambler. Pretty it, efficient cost per foot. Oh, absolutely. And people don't factor in the hassle factor in, in all of that. So, you know, sheetrock dust everywhere is just the nastiest thing right. on earth. And so doing that, remind I've done one remodel in my life, and I God bless remodelers. Because <laughs> uh, I lived, through, I mean, I literally lived training. lived in the home while we did it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, retrospectively, I I should have moved out. Sure, I sure. Have. Well, Mark, anything anything else you'd like to state or disclose or share with the, the rest little, of the consumers I'm, industry? I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Does this yeah. tie back to the Chris Shear comment? <laughs> no, no. It, I, 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 again, and and unique on so many levels, but, and it's not just Chris, Pete and me, cousin John is, is in the business too and runs our HR. We, we work so remarkably well together. It, 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 people say, God, how do you work with your brothers? And it's like, it's great. <laughs> it is just because we all have our own sandboxes to play in. And every yeah. once in a while we, we say, Hey, bring your trucks over to, to my sandbox and, and let's share a little bit. But otherwise, you know, sure. it's, we do our own thing and, and work collectively. No, the, the where I'm disappointed is is you know you you title this you know uh, uh, curb to roof, roof to curb, mm -hmm. and it's and it's for foodies of home building. I know so, where you're going. So honestly, I I thought I was coming in, and we were going to talk about food, <laughs> and you know I we still I, have time. I we am still a, have time. I am a foodie, and I, yeah. I thought maybe we'd be sharing recipes or talking about uh, talking about restaurants or doing whatever. And and here all it is is we're talking about construction and lumber and yeah, just really super unappealing types of things. All right. Well, let's talk appealing. All right. <laughs> I talked to you about, you walked into a house and I said, Hey, give me, give me the lowdown. When Mark Shear walks in the house, he knows what's good and bad and different, right? Yeah. Let me hear your top two restaurants and your top two wine selections. If I had to go out and go into dinner tonight or I'm going to, to buy a bottle, what are we buying? Cause uh, I know, I know you like your wine. Uh, not, not as, not as, you know what? I, I was just out in Oregon for a conference. And uh, I'm, I'm a Pinot Noir guy. Okay. Uh, and I love Oregon Pinots. Okay. Uh, I start getting into heavier reds. Uh, my allergies go nuts. So I've, I've almost gone exclusively down that path. So uh, I have always been a big fan of uh, Domain Serene, uh, the Evansteads, who had Upshur Smith here in Minnesota. Just fantastic family. Great story. Google it. If you okay. ever want to see what happened, because they got caught up in the Bernie Madoff thing, and their response was was just incredible in what they did for their employees. Uh, so I I love their Pinot Noir, Domaine Serene, um, uh, the Evanstead brand. There's another one. I always forget the name of that. But uh, and then I had another one, uh, white Pinot. Okay. Okay. Now I'm not talking Pinot Grigio. I'm sure. talking a white, white Pinot, Pinot Noir. Okay. Uh, and I had one out there called Rocco. And so what they do is they take the they take the skin or they they crush the grapes, but they don't let the skins interact. And the skins are what give the the wine its color, also its longevity. So you can you can age a wine a lot longer when it's red than when it's when it's white. But sure. this this white Pinot was, and I'm not a big white wine guy. Yeah. Still, it's still technically a red wine. Yeah, you don't you don't come red. across as you love the sweets. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but especially if you're going heavy reds, right? Yeah, yeah, it was just fabulous, just fabulous. As far as going out to eat, you know, I'm big on McDonald's and. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is is we don't go out to eat much anymore. Sure. You know, you got you got your little local haunts. I live out west side of town, so you know, mm -hmm. like popping over to Six Smith or Boulevard or whatever. But to to sure. do the true foodie stuff, I don't go downtown a whole heck of a lot anymore. Yeah. Uh, what we have been doing a lot more of now that we're empty nesters is we cook at home. We yeah. experiment. You, you we enjoy, we try you enjoy the experience a little bit more now, right? Because oh, yeah. you're not racing to do the kid things and now you have time to be like, hey, let's get into this a little then bit more. Then play around with it. And, and, you know, so my wife will come up with, hey, have you ever tried making this? And it's like, yeah. no, but why not? Let's give it a shot. Have and, you uh, have you found the, the hot rocks yet? Yeah. You did? I, right. I bought a hot show. So Todd and I were having dinner at a convention, and uh, yep. he ordered up some these hot rocks. So what was the name of that restaurant? Uh, that was that Catch at Aria. Catch. Oh, that was fabulous. Yeah, yeah it, was it was fabulous. So all of a sudden we got these two big bricks that get set on our table with some wafer-thin sliced beef. 
and uh, just put it on there and let it sizzle for about 30 seconds and, and a little dipping sauce. So yeah, we did, we did buy that. Yeah. I have done it multiple times. Good. Uh, yeah, it's fabulous. It's hard to beat. You got to get the right piece of meat though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's gotta be that. heavy. It's gotta be heavy marbled and, yeah. and the a little rest, flavor but. to it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Mark, uh, thank you so much. One as a friendship, as a companion for trade partners and, uh, two, just taking the time out of your day. I know you're a busy man. And uh, we wish you the best with Shear Brothers moving forward and all the transitions with other family coming in and you guys as you as you exit the space at some point. Um, and I wish you guys the best and we'll be in touch for sure. But Mark Shear, President, Shear Brothers Lumber. Well, thanks, Todd. It was it was nice to be here. And you know, it's it's it is nice to be one of the few family-owned lumber dealers, not only left in this market. Uh, the country, right? In the country, yeah. So much, there's so much consolidation in the work, and we love what we do. And and I can't tell you the the pride and responsibility that comes with having your name on the door, uh, and, and it really does it does matter. So mm-hmm. we're we're pleased to be part of this industry, and and Lord knows, uh, really appreciated working with you over all these years too. So and thank all the you. folks at Shear Brothers appreciate what Custom One does with us. So thank, thank you. you very much, Mark Shear, President Shear Brothers Lumber, Roof to Curb. We'll see you at the next one. Thank you.